Today in Business from Wired. This episode is brought to you by ShipStation. You know, some things take a lot of work, like sending little robots to far off distant planets. And just as that's challenging, so too is running a successful e commerce business, especially when there's so much to do. So I want to introduce you all to ShipStation. Now, I love using ShipStation because of its easy to use dashboard, which makes managing orders and printing labels a breeze and super smooth. Oh, and the customer service is just out of this world. It's exactly what you need to help grow your business. Sign up for your free 60 day trial at shipstation.com slash tech news. That's shipstation.com slash tech news. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Today in business from Wired. The government wants to bolster its tech, starting with workers. Robin Carnahan, head of the agency that manages the federal government's offices and IT, is revamping job descriptions and pushing remote work. By Tom Simonite. The General Services Administration is among the lesser known arms of the U.S. government, but it has surprising reach. It owns or leases more than 370 million square feet of offices and other facilities on behalf of other federal agencies, and also provides vehicles and IT services. Its government tech support is a particular priority of President Biden's pick to lead the agency, Robin Carnahan. Carnahan, confirmed by the Senate in June, previously worked with 18F, a tech group set up inside GSA by the Obama administration to modernize government technology. In a recent conversation with Tom Simonite, she discussed plans to smooth online access to government services and lure more tech talent. An edited transcript follows. Simonite starts by saying, Many people have leaned more heavily on the Internet during the pandemic. Has that made it more obvious that digital government needs to improve? Carnahan says, It has, because everyone saw it so clearly. After Congress quickly passed the multi-trillion dollar CARES Act that funded unemployment benefits, governors had to explain why people couldn't get them. The technology was the barrier. This digital infrastructure has been underinvested in for decades. At the same time, there has been big investments from Congress. The COVID-19 stimulus package included $1 billion for technology modernization. It's exciting to have both momentum and money at the same time. Simonite asks, where do you plan to invest? Carnahan says it makes sense to make a pretty big bet in services shared between many agencies, like login and identity verification. GSA has a service called login.gov, which is already in use by 30 million people. It just got a big investment from the Modernization Fund, and we hope in the next year that we can up that number to 100 million. About 27 different agencies already use login.gov, some pretty big, like Social Security, and we're talking to a lot more. You can imagine how much more convenient it could be if you had just a single login for all your interactions with the government. Simonite says, People log in to all kinds of services online. Why is it harder to build for government? Carnahan says, One big difference in government is that you have to create systems that work for everyone. 
not just those that have good credit scores or that have active bank accounts. Many people most in need of government services don't have those. There is another infrastructure we can leverage as government. The U.S. Postal Service and the Veterans Administration have locations all over the country. These are federal agencies that we could collaborate with to verify identity for people who need to show up in person. Simonite says some state governments, such as California, adopt face recognition to verify identity for services like unemployment benefits. But there are reports of problems with accuracy and concerns about privacy. Carnahan says automation that we can get from artificial intelligence is a thing that we're going to use when it's appropriate, but we're going to be cautious about it and understand what biases there might be. Simonite says you don't have any concrete plans. Carnahan says no. Then Tom Simonite says, One reason government technology has a poor reputation is that the most talented technologists generally work in the industry. Groups like 18F, where you worked before, and the U.S. Digital Service place tech workers on temporary tours of duty in government. How else can you attract star techies? Carnahan says, We need lots of different technologists, people with experience, but also folks who want to make government their career. We just announced a program called Digital Core for early career folks who want to be able to use their technology skills in government. We didn't have a good on-ramp for that before. The Biden administration is very focused on this because it's super clear that bad delivery sinks good policy. To be able to deliver anything, we have to have the tech talent in the room at the beginning of the discussion, not bolted on at the end. Simonite says, doesn't it come down to money? Can government lure people away from the tech industry? Carnahan says, We can't be embarrassingly out of sync, but people are motivated by lots of different things. Some people are motivated to serve, and some of those people are technologists. We need to make it easy for them to put their skills to work in an environment where they are empowered to get things done. There are discussions right now at the Office of Personnel Management and other agencies about hiring, but it's not just about money. Job descriptions for government technologists don't align with private sector job descriptions, for example. And it can be a very cumbersome application process to apply for a full-time government job. Finally, Simonite says, The pandemic has led many technology companies to offer workers permanent flexibility to work remotely or visit the office less often. Can government compete with that? Carnahan says, At GSA, we're leaning very heavily into remote work. We've done it for the past 20 months, and our workforce is able to be effective. The same conversation is happening in every agency. All of them are rethinking their space needs. We're thinking a lot about right-sizing the footprint of federal space and working in different ways. Federal co-working spaces and helping employees get the tools they need for telework. These aren't things that are brand new in the private sector, but they haven't really been tested in government. I think if we can offer impactful work, not unreasonable salaries, and people don't have to move, that's a pretty attractive package. Like what you learned? Subscribe everywhere you listen to podcasts and get more business news at wired.com slash business. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org.